0: Hey, friends, you're listening to the Hope and Heart Pills podcast, where we're talking all things resilience and revolution. I'm one of your hosts, Andre Henry.
1: I'm your other host, Trish's.
0: And we, as always, have a very special guest with us today. I'm so thrilled. We have Dr. Amit Safety with us. She is the author of Joy is My Justice, Reclaiming What is Yours, and we cannot wait to talk to you about this. How are you doing today? Thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, I'm so excited. I'm excited to dig in. I am too. Like, yeah, there. you, I you am... do
1: so many interesting things <laughs> that I feel like we're going to need to bounce around a little bit, but I want to hear about all of it. And also, before we hopped on, you said it all deserved the same purpose. So what what is that purpose? What
2: is it all deserve? Yeah. Well, my work really all has the overlap of this mission to shift consciousness through upending systems of oppression. That's how I would put it. Mm-hmm. And that, that includes my clinical work of integrative and psychedelic medicine, my writing with my book, Joy is My Justice, or my writing on Substack, my speaking, um, all of it together, all my teaching really has this common perspective of, you know. The systems that are oppressing us, they thrive when we do not. And so Mm. really looking at how it is that we can see our thriving, our joy, our resistance as an act, an embodied act in this world.
0: Could you talk a bit about the book and your, your main idea here in the book, the thing you're trying to get across? I love the title. I have not read it yet. But this is in my stack and I just can't (laughs) wait to understand more of what you're bringing to us here.
2: Yeah, I mean, what I'm really trying to do, I think what I do. Let's just stop say trying, okay? Yeah. But uh what I'm what I do in this book is really try to upend the mental health conversation, which I feel is Mm. oppressive. Um Mm. also the wellness world is whitewashed and so we're given trays of platitudes and Mm -hmm. think and thank yourself out of poverty, suffering, and tragedy and oppression. When in fact What joy is, is a human right. We were born with it. Nobody gave it to us. Nobody can take Mm, it away. And not only that, joy is. Very different than happiness. And we are, pl- yeah. we are serve them together as if they are interchangeable. But the truth is that happiness is a cognitive construct. I'll take happiness any day. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying no to happiness. Right. What I'm saying is it's a cognitive construct, it's an evaluation of how things are going and it's binary. Whereas um, joy is a fluid river that flows into the same deep well as our pain. It comes from the same capacity for love, meaning connection. And mm-hmm. it is, in essence, mm. a way to reclaim safety and power in our body. And so I no longer feel that I seek power to find joy. I seek mm. joy to find wow. power. Wow.
1: Wow. 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 uh, What are some of the different techniques that you use in this? In seeking joy?
2: Yeah. So this is where the tricks are, is that it's not a trick. It's that Mm. it's actually similar um, practices to what other people may say that you would do. Let's say Mm -hmm. moving your body, Radical gratitude, self-compassion. Yeah. But what I do is show it through the lens of equity. I show how the science actually shows that these are all justice, power moves, not gratitude. So for instance, mm. gratitude is not you know gratitude has some bad PR that's what i'm going to tell you yeah. but gratitude actually is not contrived or false it's a way to look at our lives instead of a way it's a way um, to find the indestructible goodness that still remains through the oppression and the suffering and the trauma and it actually when you look at studies i show all this in the book through stories of i work around the world in global trauma after man-made and natural disasters And when I show what the studies show and how people do that in these communities, you start to understand that these skills, it's almost as if we're not being told the whole story of how they work. Right. And I think there's a reason, you know, um, what would it look like if we all had joy? We would be more powerful. Mm. So I think there's a reason we don't hear the right story. And my book is a way to write the story.
0: You know... When I read about resilience and all these kinds mm-hmm. of things, this is the this is the intersection where the literature is so thin, right? And I need it. I mean, I don't know. Those of you who are listening to this show and never seen me, I'm black, and so like that. <laughs> that like I need to talk at this intersection right here, um, yeah. especially you know, as people who care about justice, and so. When I I'm I'm not gonna lie. When I when I was reading through this, just the table of contents and thinking about this, I was like, "How can we have joy, right in in the midst in the midst of all of this without it being woo woo spiritual bypassing, right? Mm -hmm. Or like, I'm not gonna watch the news. I'm not gonna be informed. Whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna live and have as much fun as possible. How can we be present in the world? Um and present to what we're going through and the larger context of why we're going through it and yet still have joy.
2: Oh, Andre, it's my favorite question. (laughs) All right. Let me break this down for you. Yeah. Let me just start by saying that my work started as a culmination of my personal and professional work when I was nine months pregnant with my third child and received a fatal diagnosis for my second
0: uh, oh ALS God.
2: for children, 100% fatal. And before that he would degeneratively, you know, suffer Yeah. in that moment when I, something's wrong in the world, I fight back. I mm-hmm. fight for justice in my work, in my personal life. When this happened, there was nothing left to fight for in that moment. I thought okay. there's no way I am ever going to authentically be happy or joyful slash. I didn't really know the difference. Yeah it wasn't until what I'm about to tell you about answering your question until this journey showed me that the deepest justice I would ever find was liberation in my body. Mm. So when you say, how can we do that without, you know, this sort of extremes? I'm with you. I'm with you. I think um, 15 years ago, I would have said the same thing. Mm -hmm. Now, what I know is that A, The way to do it is to understand that joy is a way to hold it all. It is not a way to dismiss it. So when my heart is aching because the world is falling apart, which seems like every damn day, but when my, my heart is aching, that means I'm human. That means I haven't lost yet. That means I still have my humanity and that is justice. Now, Does it mean we frivolously think joy is going to solve every problem? No. But what happens is every piece of oppression, trauma and suffering strips us of that whole humanity. Mm. And when we shut down to the joy, we shut down to that full continuum of ourselves. Now, joy is saying, I am angry. I am fearful. I am resentful. And yet, I still stand here boldly in this world and deserve to walk out in it. You know, there is a misconception that joy means I am happy in the daisies every day. Mm. I may be one of the most joyful people you've ever met, but I cry every day, I scream, I fight. And yeah. that is part of my joy. Also, yeah. this idea of resilience is whitewash. Let me tell you, you know, resilience yeah. is like you should be able to get through it, you know, and you're resilient yeah. if you're able to handle, handle it all. Right. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, resilience is what the world asks of you, but your justice is in how you answer it. So mm-hmm. there are there are nuances to this that are more than subtle, subtle. They are yeah. deep and profound. And when people say, is it okay to have joy? Is it right to have joy? I say it's not only okay; it's actually the only way as humanity we will push forward. Because what I know for sure is that my ancestors suffered. But gosh, I sure as hell know they had to have joy to survive. There is no way they went through what they went through. All of our ancestors, unless they had joy yeah and so to think that we can only suffer is actually I feel a narrative that we've been given yes, yes. yeah
1: w- what does liberation
2: in our bodies mean? yeah, good question for for me, for my truth and what I talk about in the book is that it means a reclaiming of safety and ease. So let me explain. When we have trauma or loss, suffering, when we live in a battleground in our body every day in an oppressive world, we do not feel safe. We feel hypervigilant, on edge, anxious, fearful. Our nervous systems, our brain centers are all on edge. When we do practices like radical gratitude, bold self-compassion, movement, use breath, I don't it's a semantic to some people. I don't, I don't love forgiveness. It doesn't fit my revolution. So I use grace, but (laughs) when we do these kind of, um, you get to pick yours, right? When we do whatever it is for us. And I'm very clear in the book that I'm not the guru on joy. I mean, if I define joy for you, then I'm using the same oppressive systems that took it away. What I offer is just touchstones for you to find your ways to reclaim safety, to tell yourself, I am safe in this moment, even though the world is not safe. You can have a both and. Mm.
0: Yeah. You have a very provocative uh, subtitle in here that I am so (laughs) curious about. You say that positivity is dangerous. What do you mean by that?
2: Yeah, it's it's harmful. There's actually we kind of know that because, you know, this good vibes, BS bugs us, you know, like we get annoyed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But there's actually neuroscience to show that if we are given some good vibes, only toxic positivity answer to our suffering, we feel dismissed, ignored and made small. And it actually incites our threat centers in our brain the same way threat does danger does it's actually wow. dangerous
0: Wow! so you know when people try
2: to you know that's why you don't feel good when someone walks away after they say like oh you'll be okay or like you yeah. know it's okay mm. it's okay andre barack obama became president you'll be okay <laughs> right you know what i'm saying like that's yeah. not helpful wow. and it right. actually makes us angry Wow. Mm-hmm. Right. And it incites our nervous system. So it is dangerous. It's actually harmful.
0: Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to get into this. I feel like <laughs> my brain is about <laughs> I, to explode right? Yeah,
1: I really, I really need this conversation right now. Um, we've been, we've been telling everyone in the last couple of days, we've been having a rough couple of days. It's been quite a week um, around here. It's been quite a week. <laughs> um, and I hear you. like, I was like starting to tear up while you were talking. I was like, wow, I really yeah, need to tear all of oh, this. Um, what do you think was coming up for you? Um, I think we're, we're both having a, a difficult time with the, the world of conflicts and, um, yeah. um I think uh feeling like condemnation of violence is is very selective for a lot of people I think it's yes. very difficult yes. um and yeah. so it personally, is. I've been feeling um just so much anger and trying to grapple with that and trying to figure out holding that and um mm-hmm. and that's why it's so beautiful to have have these guests like you because it actually helps us a lot in our um yeah. own in in the ways that we can we can grapple with the world as well.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's rough. I just yeah. ran into someone this afternoon before I came to talk to you and we had this same conversation mm-hmm. yeah. about how we were um feeling a little attacked by giving a more nuanced answer to how we feel about the world. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I'm putting sure. it I'm putting it mildly,
0: but um Yeah, of course.
2: It is, it is really brutal. It is brutal. The way the world is, is brutal and the way it is received and we are called on to receive it is brutal. And so when, when I say joy is my justice or can be anyone's justice, what I'm saying is that, you know, even that recognition, Trish, what you just said, right? What you just said was claiming power back for yourself, that this is hard. This Mm -hmm. is a moment of suffering because otherwise we're in reactive mode of just fending off the hard. Mm -hmm. But when we can stop and say, this is so hard. This is a moment of suffering. I need a moment of ease so that I can manage the suffering. It's not Mm -hmm. a dismissal. It's not a looking away. It's how do I tend to my heart so that it can hold what is happening and what people are giving me about what is happening.
1: Yeah. Um speaking of brutal, I, is that a term that is in your substack? I am trying to remember your
2: substack. Yeah, name. yeah. It's beautiful and brutal. And the reason I named it that was because I say that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I say it about, you know, um, I say it about my son who's still here. He's he's um it's getting it's getting pretty bad here. But um, yeah. you know, it's brutal. And yet it's beautiful in other ways. And I don't mean like a silver lining or there's a good reason. I don't believe in any of that BS. Mm -hmm. What I believe is that there are ways that my experience and relationship with him have opened me to beauty in this world and beauty in myself and beauty in others who I connect with around it. So within the brutal, there is beautiful and It is life there. We are all going to have moments of triumph and joy and we are all going to ache and suffer. And it is this how do we hold the duality of that and retain our humanity? That
0: is the question for me. Mm, Yeah. What's the difference between holding that tension, living there and just cognitive dissonance? (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Good question. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah well let's say let's um do you have an example of something someone would say i love oh, this because i can give you a I'm
0: what's trying to think cognitive if a dissonance good ex- like
2: right now in your life
0: i have a i'm trying to think if i have a good example the only thing that's coming to mind for me which i don't feel like is a great example if not i'll try to think of something else is i remember one thanksgiving time one thanksgiving time um i went to this wine bar that we usually went, my friends and I used to go to every Wednesday night and they were like what are you doing for Thanksgiving I'm like nothing I don't celebrate that holiday um and they're like why not I'm like I mean you all you all know why not I'm like yeah. I yeah something terrible happened there in that revisionist history And they're like oh just don't think about that <laughs> right yeah that's a
2: good one that's a good example you know I think Okay, that's a really good example. I will tell you also that for me, even in my own culture, I'm thinking yeah. of ways that so, um, you know, I am unlearning so many learning and unlearning so many ways that some of our mm. most important holidays are grounded in misogyny and um, caste system. Mm. And that is brutal for me because it. I also have, you know, childhood memories and love and connection associated with them. Right. Yes. So cognitive dissonance would be if I say, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, the volley is going to be fun because it's always been fun and I'm going to forget about everything bad that's associated with it. The way of holding the duality mm. is saying to my children, to my mm. family. I am sad that I am learning so much about the roots of this holiday that has given me so much love what I want to do is take out what we can from it that is loving and beautiful and rewrite what doesn't serve us anymore right let's look at this holiday let's because there are some beautiful things to it too but there's the roots are not good Right. You know, so, so it's like Thanksgiving. Okay. (laughs) I mean, there's nothing good about that day. Okay. Or whatever. I don't know what day or day. Historically,
0: no. Right.
2: Historically. No. What I can tell you though, is even as an, South Asian family in this country without any family around. My family found solace in being brought into homes in Thanksgiving. And it turned into a ritual for us of connection and bringing people in. So what I do at Thanksgiving is I acknowledge that this day does not honor the people that were hurt on this day. And yet I I'm rewriting a story of love and connection on this day for myself. Mm. Now, that doesn't make it OK. We can't just say that makes us feel good, but right. it allows me to not also dismiss whatever beauty I've been given in my heart from that day, right, for that's myself. True.
0: That's very so true. there's
2: that's what I mean about the duality.
0: I feel mm-hmm. like a genie just gave me one wish and I wasted it, you know, like I have so many better examples of cognitive dissonance now. <laughs> <laughs> oh i am but that I, was very I helpful that's, have very, lots of- <laughs> that's super helpful okay
2: there's some yeah there's some harder examples which i'm happy to go in we need to just keep having more talks more conversations yeah
0: yeah i'm just almost like can podcast. you just mentor just be me be the third co yeah actually
1: can you just like be a second mom that'd be cool yeah <laughs> For me.
0: yeah we're not even siblings but now we are we're just yeah. traveling yeah <laughs>
1: I know, really yeah. seriously. You didn't know this was happening, um, but, I you know, know but I didn't know, but now I'm like, all right, I'm
0: all in. I'm I'm on <laughs> it. So, I'm I think about, you know, some of this has to do with healing, or at least I feel like it does cuz
1: Oh
2: yeah. I feel
0: like that's I feel like, you know, a friend of mine said that when you have that experience of being like that epiphany experience of like, wow, she's like, that's the feeling of healing in your body. And um mm-hmm. I feel that now in this conversation. And Mm. it makes me think about psychedelics, honestly, because that has been a healing presence in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that you work with them. So how does that factor into the work that you do and the conversation that you're bringing forward? Oh,
2: it, it's such a big um, overlap. For one, um, you know, all my work in medicine has centered on social justice and health mm. equity and access. And uh, the the field of psychedelics in the West right now is ripe with need for social justice advocacy, reciprocity and equity. Mm. And um, that is a big reason why I'm in it. Um, there's an overlap of all my integrative work, my trauma work, and my, I have a very long history of complex mental health care in in marginalized communities without access. Uh So all of that overlaps, but it also overlaps with my work in the sense that, as I said, to catalyze shifts in consciousness, this is a very potent catalyst. And so it is a way to bring people to a different insight, a different perspective and consciousness through a catalyst that allows them then to see what they need in their life to thrive, to find more joy and safety and power in their bodies. So I, yeah. it is one of my most hopeful tools in cl- my clinical work yet. Wow.
1: And how does that work? How is it? I, how does it work? First of all, and another question. I don't know anything about ketamine. I have just heard little bits about it. And I know that is something else you work with. So
2: yeah. I'd love to hear about both those things. <laughs> okay. See, we need a whole nother conversation <laughs> about that.
0: <laughs> so um,
2: as you probably know, psilocybin and MDMA are getting close to legality. We're getting closer yes. and closer. Um, I use psilocybin in research. I'm studying it at the university here. And um, we just finished a clinical trial on psilocybin for COVID burnout in frontline docs and nurses. It was quite powerful. So um. Um, We use psilocybin in that way and MDMA in that way as well until they're legal. Now, psilocybin is legal now in one state and almost two. Until then, ketamine is legal. It's been used as a dissociative anesthetic since the 1950s in the operating room and emergency rooms. Mm -hmm. It's actually not, people argue it's not a classical psychedelic. I would disagree in the sense that I think it's still altered state work. And that work Mm -hmm. that we're learned from indigenous communities in um, the Americas and Africa's for centuries. So Mm -hmm. um, ketamine, how they work, it is all still a little bit misunderstood. I mean, not fully understood, not not misunderstood is the wrong word. But we know from the science already that I'm going to speak to ketamine more right now, since that's the one people can access Mm -hmm. right now anywhere. Ketamine, we know, has amazing, powerful capacity to stimulate a neurochemical called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is BDNF. And it is like a miracle grow for the brain. It allows new connections to form, neuroplasticity to arise, and it is powerful. It allows Mm -hmm. us to dampen the ruminating network of our brain and for many people, it allows us to have a little bit of a zoom out of our body experience of our trauma in, be, mm. when it's too hard to zoom into it. So um, it is powerful, powerful medicine. And um, yeah, that's just the beginning of that
0: answer. Wow. But Wow. Can't wait to get some. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously.
2: Unfortunately, you know, it's also very abused now and it's a party drug. And um, Mm. so I'm not condoning that use of it. But um, there are ways to use it medicinally that are quite sacred and beautiful and um, people can get so much relief from depression that has not been able to be relieved by our classic medications. And um, the way that you'll hear about it is that ketamine is for what they say, treatment-resistant depression. I don't mm-hmm. like the word treatment-resistant. That makes it look like the patient failed. I don't like that. Right. I, I think I think it's just depression that the treatments were inadequate for, let's put it right. But um, ketamine can be really helpful if those treatments were not adequate for you. Anxiety, OCD, depression, trauma, pain, a lot of those are the most used.
0: This is an exciting, this this is exciting news to me because my experience with psilocybin was transformational, you know, oh, has been yeah, transformational, you know. great. And I When you when you mention, you know, some people do these things recreationally, it's not it's not my style. It's not something I necessarily understand because the way I was introduced to this, because I was introduced to psilocybin because I was having a a religious crisis, faith crisis. And someone said, Andre, if you do psilocybin, you believe in God again. (laughs) Wow. And I did. You know, and um, one day I'll talk about that in depth. You know, but I want to have a whole
2: episode again (laughs) on that. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. We have to have you back. We are running out of time.
2: I know. I know.
0: So we need to ask uh, our Uh, our famous question, question and yeah, and what is what is it that keeps you going? That keeps you showing up for the work that you do. Hmm.
2: You know, I unlayered this for myself um, that I know my deeper why for my work is because I've never felt safe in this world. Mm -hmm. And the more I work to reclaim safety for others, the more I'm learning that it can be safe for me. That is really my deeper why for medicine that I've been practicing for 26 years and that's why I stay in it um, for my trauma work and even my writing. And really um you know your deeper why always stems from your own wounds you know yes. and um i never mm-hmm. felt safe here in this country or in my body and so
0: wow. here's
2: why my work exists
0: <sighs> well thank you so much for sharing with us thank you for being yeah. with us thank you for your time
2: oh this yes. was a total gift in my day truly
0: uh, yeah wonderful wonderful so we much hope more have you back i need soon. to know
1: so, I right? think there's a book, <laughs> we
0: or good yes. guys yeah, to read the book. Yes, and yeah. of yeah. everyone listening, it's called Joyous by yeah. Justice. You'll be able to find it in the footnotes. Make sure that you follow Tanmeet Meet, um, oh. find her Substack. We'll have that in the show notes as well. And as always, Beautiful. our listeners, thank you so much for you all uh, listening. Thank you to all of our patrons at Patreon who make this show possible. We're going to turn it over to Ross. And he'll, you know, tell us whatever he's saying about us over there. I need to listen to the end of the show just to make sure. I didn't
2: gossip. Well, do I get to thank you too? Thank you both for your work in the world. Thank
0: you. Thank you. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for choosing to listen today. You can catch up with our hosts online. Trish's is at Trish's Music. That's spelled T-R-I-S-H-E-S Music. On Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Andre is at TheAndreHenry on Instagram and TikTok, and at AndreHenry on Twitter. Catch the songs you heard today and more of their music on Spotify. If you'd like to support what we're doing here and see the video of Andre and Trisha's conversation, you can join the Patreon at Andre AndreHenry. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.